Hey everyone, this is Eric, and before we get to this week's episode of The Living Force, we wanted to send a congratulations to Alexander Freed and Del Rey on the release of Alphabet Squadron, which released this week. We'll be reviewing the book on Utini in full next week, and we'll be discussing the book on the podcast in detail later on in the month, but we didn't want to go into any spoilers or plot just yet. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Thrawn. You're listening to Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Commissioner Jupiter next week and blow something up. A Utini production. Darkness rises and light. Episode 8, a conversation with Dooku Jedi Lost author, Kevin Scott. We need your help. And now, here are your hosts. Who are you? Dr. Corey Helton. So good to have you back. Eric Eilerson. Do you have something, a cowl or something you can put on? And Dr. Charles Hankel. I've seen your daily routine, you're not busy. What are you drinking, Eric? Miller High Life. Oh, God. Miller Low Life is what I call those. <laughs> well, it's, it's a champagne of beers. No, because like last night... What's, yeah, what is is it, what's the container that it's oh in? it's a koozie oh like, it, it looks like a small bottle of champagne champagne <laughs> of wow. beers there you go yeah uh, no last night we were um you and my buddies watched the first fast and furious movie oh, God. um which was phenomenal oh, yeah. <laughs> and um i love i love those new ones i've only seen five through eight so now i went back and it was a lot of fun That's but nice. um i've been drinking oberon up here which is like my favorite craft beer but it's like you know, 12, 13 bucks a six pack. And I'm like, well, this isn't, I'm not making enough money for this to be sustainable. So I'm like, hey, buddy, can you just go out to the store, and give me a cheap beer? He's like, cool. Got me this. It was five bucks for six. That's way better. Nice. Yeah. Miller Lite's my go to cheap beer. I like Miller Lite. I'm usually PBR myself, but it's like. It used to be PBR, but I don't know. Something about it I don't like anymore. I don't know. I mean, this isn't terrible. Have you had? You gotta get the Natty Light, the lemonade stuff. I, you're no. right. <laughs> I you saw the store today. You guys gotta buy some of that shit, man. It's so delicious. Oh my god, I forgot. How what I what, what store did you see that in, Charles? Is it a Walmart? It was a Food Line. A Food Line. Okay, so yeah. I, I thought the only Walmart was carrying it. Many Food Lines got it too. So it was so good, man. Dude, Food Line sounds like a fake grocery store. From a <laughs> Oh, let's go to the food line. It's great, man. I love food line because we live super close, like a Trader Joe's and a Harris Teeter, and it's like twice as expensive. Yeah, so. and Trader Joe's is like the cheapest in Chicago too. So I'm like, Ugh, I miss mm. cheap stuff. What's nice about being here in like West Backwoods, Michigan, for the summer? Like, I got 18 eggs for like 80 cents. Wow. I'm like, all right, there we go. Gas yeah. was like 270. Yeah, we uh, we we filled, we filled up at Aldi last week, and I don't usually. I've never lived close to an Aldi, and I was like, "This is gonna be one hundred fifty dollars." It was like ninety eight dollars. I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, Amazing. my mom swears by Aldi, man. It's like thirty percent cheaper than everywhere else. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'll be breaking out the beers later. This is like Charlotte. I found out it's like I kind of knew this already, but it's like brewery galore. Like there's really? so yeah, many, dude. so many local breweries. There's like a whole <laughs> neighborhood wow. here that's like literally just breweries, like all over the place there's like several that that like are all in like one giant warehouse like they share the warehouse where i guess they actually do all the fermenting and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and you can just like walk between them so i i need to try a bunch of these yeah i love it it's like my favorite pastime i think we have like five here five or six so yeah we we had like a handful in columbia but there's definitely a lot more here and it's nice too because our dog is like so high energy because he's a golden that we can take him out with Mm, us to do that kind of stuff so dude there was a uh there was a super controversial post on reddit and and like one of the beer uh communities about like is it okay to take your kids to breweries and it was like a super heated debate because there's so many wow. stories of people having awful experiences i went to a brewery about uh two months ago and my buddy got hit in the face with a beanbag that a kid threw so you know, <laughs> I, I understand their hesitancy so so the argument was don't bring your kids because they'll hurt other people <laughs> well, because people i guess the parents go and they drink and then they just get too crazy like the kids just run around and do whatever they want and like yeah. people that don't have kids it kind of gets on their nerves I yeah guess. 
Well, yeah. it's, when I was in Alabama, I went to a bunch of beer breweries and there were kids around, but I'm like, these kids have probably been at these breweries since they were five. Like they run this <laughs> yeah. place. It was an interesting debate to see both sides of it. So, yeah, the same thing could happen with your dog though. So that's true. That, in fact, that was a sub, that's what I, that's why I brought it up. There was a sort of a sub discussion about, is it okay to bring your dog? And I think the yeah. answer essentially is you can control them and they're fairly well behaved. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to bring my dog anywhere that I can, frankly, he'll just sit on a chair and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we can officially say welcome to the audience for episode eight, The Last Jedi of the Living Force Podcast. My name is Eric, one of your co-hosts, and I am joined today by some amazing friends. First of all, Dr. Corey Helton. How you doing, my friend? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for always coming on like you do most weeks. And uh, Dr. Charles Hankel. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Just hanging out. Happy to be here as always. All right. Yes, you have a perfect attendance record. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> Since and, elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> and with us today is a very special guest, uh, Mr. Kevin Scott. Welcome. Hello there. Yeah. Um, we have been trying to get Kevin on here for a bit, and we're so glad that we finally got to make it happen to talk about all things Dooku, all things Star Wars, and all things writing. So thanks again. No worries at all. Now, for those of you in our audience that may not know Kevin's work, you haven't listened to our past two episodes, uh, but also Kevin has written a ridiculous amount of Star Wars stories, including a bunch of choose-your-own-adventure novels, Adventures in Wild Space, Star Wars Adventure comics over at IDW, the Tales from Vader's Castle series specifically. Uh, um, he's a member of the illustrious Project Luminous crew. And of course, the author of the first canonical Star Wars audio drama, Dooku Jedi Lost. Now, Corey and Charles, I know we've all talked about Dooku Jedi Lost. Have you guys uh, dipped into the comic work a bunch of Kevin's at all? I've read a couple of adventures issues. Yeah, the, uh, the Tales from Vader's Castle is, is what I'm most familiar with um, outside of this Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama. And, uh, and, and that was a really fun bit, just very different than anything else that we've seen. Kind of almost in that Death Troopers um, vein, if you will, just the kind of uh, creepy almost horror star wars i am not nearly as caught up with the comics but i have seen those adventures in wild space i flipped them i haven't read the whole things but I, i've seen them a bunch of times they have, they have some of the prettiest covers i think of any of the <laughs> any of the young readers uh sort of stuff so it's it's those are those look really really fun i mean to pick them up that's kind of a background on kevin and i kind of want to jump right into questions guys we have a but we have a number of questions here that we want to ask and you'll hear a lot less of our voices we promise in a second so uh <laughs> Corey, if you want to go to our list and just start us off. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kevin, um, thanks again for coming on the show. We have lots of great questions for you. It was fun getting uh, sort of pre-approved questions, going through um, the various process you have to go through to get to get certain things approved. Um, so we'll, we'll try to stick to the script the best we can, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, the first, first really general question, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Uh, how old were you when you first discovered star wars like kind of what's your first experience with this fantastic universe and and how did you transition from kind of being a fan to getting into the writing projects sure yeah so my first experience um was the original marvel comic run so before i saw the films i, I was a little oh, bit wow. too young to star wars um and i knew empire strikes back was coming um, and then over in the uk we had star wars weekly which was a weekly yeah, um, comic yeah. which reprinted the old, um, the old Marvel run. Where was it? it? Was it was the new Marvel run at that point? Uh, and then right. in the back, it had like Marvel um, backup strips, like Star Lord and things like that, which obviously to the Guardians of the Galaxy fans wow. today is quite a familiar name. So that was my first experience. So it was yeah, it was through the comics uh, um, primarily, and then I saw Empire, um, and I remember getting an Obi Wan Kenobi figure from my gran, not knowing who Obi Wan Kenobi was, and thinking I've just got a a doll of an old man. Thanks for that, Grant. Um, <laughs> and he's got a funny sword thing. This is this is odd. Um, and then obviously realised who that was, and he became one of my favourite characters. So yeah, I was sort of it was a weird drip feeding in. I mean, I was I was very aware. I think everyone was aware in the late seventies what it was. But I think I knew it more from photos than I, you know because I hadn't seen Star Wars, and there was no way of seeing Star Wars either um, unless they reshowed it in cinema, which they didn't. Wow. So um, so I think I, I think. If my memory serves, I saw Empire at the cinema, I saw Return at the cinema, and I saw Star Wars on TV. 
Um, because when it was on British television, there was a there was a special like um a special celebratory magazine with the Radio Times, which is our sort of you know, TV guide, and um, did a special. It's finally on. Um, which I remember. <laughs> I remember <laughs> That's amazing. This issue because it had pages and pages and pages of pictures. So yeah, that was my beginning. How then sort of fast forward? Well, many years later, I I I've been working in licensed um, TV comics and books for a long time. Growing up in the UK, basically your two things you had were Star Wars and Doctor Who. Um, And primarily I was known as the Doctor Who writer over here. I've been writing Doctor Who for nearly 20 years now. Um, So long before the show came back in in 2005, I I was writing Doctor Who. And because of my work on that and various other franchises, the call came through, would I be interested in working on this Adventures in Wild Space series, which they were putting Mm. together for the UK market, which was a series of kids' books. And because... I'd had a, you know, some experience in doing children's books. Um, they came to me and asked me if I'd like to put an audition piece for it. And obviously I jumped at the chance. Um, yeah, and that, that, was, that started it off. And so that, that initial um, Adventures in Wild Space special mm-hmm. book that I did was the sort of the beginning of, of pretty much a full-time job now. Star yeah. Wars dominates just about everything I do at the minute, um, which yeah. is no bad thing. I do say my to-do list is the same now as it was when I was 10. <laughs> um, I can I can I can dedicate more time to Star Wars than I could when I was at school. So um, so yeah. So it's yeah. It's pretty much I'm, I'm full time on Star Wars at the minute. That's amazing. Yeah, join the club, man. We're all <laughs> kind of in the, in the same boat. Charles and I are both physicians by day, um, and uh, we we have uh, somehow found time to do Star Wars every minute of every every spare minute we have. So. Um, and I will yeah. say that you're you're speaking to at least a couple of Whovians uh, as well. Yeah. So we have a great appreciation for all your work, even outside of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. that's good, man. Those original Marvel comics are super interesting. I have I have uh, issues 13, 14, and 15, I think, like huh. in mint, mint edition hanging on the wall. Like I just moved in my house, so I'm not in here yet. But those are really cool. They're like, it looks like the old like He-Man cartoons. I'm not sure if you guys had that in the UK. Like it's Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's very stylized. It almost doesn't look Star Wars. It's very interesting. So it's, no, it's, no, I've still got a lot of the the, the weeklies, um, but they're okay. very battered and fall into bits. And, yeah. and at some point in my life, I, I took a pair of scissors in them to make a, a, a um, scrapbook. So there's holes in them. <laughs> um, and when Marvel brought out the, the big omnibuses, I, I, I went and rebought them all again, spending yeah. far too much money. So they're all sat yeah. behind me now on the shelf. Nice. And, and now that's the same series uh, that was continued with Marvel 108 a couple weeks ago, it wasn't was, it? was, yeah. yeah wow. it was. Really? Is that how that worked? I didn't realize that was the continuation that they did. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, an, an extra issue, the, uh, a lost, a new lost issue of nice. the original yeah. Marvel. Run. That's fantastic. And I can only imagine for, for someone that was so formed by those comics, like hearing that, hey, by the way, that comic from your childhood, we're going to make one more issue. Must have been kind of insane for you. <laughs> It was incredible. There's been two things that have been the hangover from that time was that A, that was happening and I knew it was going on and I couldn't mention it to anyone. Um, and also when, when I got the email saying, how would you like to bring Jackson back? And for me, Jackson nice. the Rabbit, who was obviously a big part of that series, um, even though he was very quickly axed when George Lucas saw him. Um, <laughs> Green Rabbit? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, he was in the first... Um, First comic I ever read. So, for when I saw Empire Strikes Back, I was very upset he wasn't a character. <laughs> <laughs> for me, he was just as much. I didn't know the difference between you know the iconic group and the new characters that sure. Marvel created because you know they're treated the same in the comic. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, as soon as I started writing Star Wars, I kept saying, "Can we put Jackson in this?" <laughs> what about Jack? Um, and they sort of look at me and shake their heads and say, "Move on." Um, <laughs> they finally gave in, and so um, yeah, so we, we brought him back a couple of years ago in IDW. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, and that, that's just, that is mad for me that the fact that I don't know how many thirty odd years later I'm sitting writing the the same. That's amazing. What a what a beautiful circle to sort of circle back. Around. I know, I know, and for me, it's really important with doing the Star Wars adventure stuff um, and the Vader's Castle. That you know, they are supposed to be all ages, and people call them kids comics. We try and make sure that they're, they're not, you know, they're not talking down. They're, they're sure. something that anyone can read. Um, but just like those original Marvel run, you know, anyone can pick those up and enjoy them, and yeah. that's what we're trying to do. So yeah, it's completely full circle, and I'm hoping, obviously, that perhaps a kid will be picking up adventures and sort of going well this is the first time i've really they're, they're bound to know something else about star wars but um you know hopefully that could be the thing that would really grab them and pull them in so that's what we're really hoping with it 
Yeah, absolutely. And kind of on that same note, I'm going to adjust our second question here just a smidge. You say that all the characters like Jackson and Luke were kind of both in the same world for you as a kid. Do you remember, was there a moment when you realized, okay, this is the expanded universe and this is the canon? And, and did that affect you as a kid or did you kind of always let them mix? Not as a kid, no. I think in my head, they were always there. And also, with me being me, I also then created my own characters. And in my head, they were just as important as any, um, as any of them. And, oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, the same way with my other you know, obsession when I was a kid with Doctor Who, we had the Doctor Who weekly comic um, and then the Doctor Who monthly. And so, again, those, the, the Doctor's companions in those, because they weren't the same companions on the telly, they were just as real to me as the ones... Um, I saw on telly because actually I probably spent more time with them because I read them and reread them and reread them. Whereas, you know, I only got to see the television program once and then it was gone. So the same with the films mm-hmm. of Star Wars. I, I saw Empire Strikes Back and then it was years until I saw it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I relived it through the novels and the, you know, the, the, the records and all that kind of thing. Those Marvel comics never went away. They were always in my room. So if I wanted Star Wars, I reached for them. And so, yeah, those comics yeah. were just as important for me. That's been interesting now with, with some people with things like the current comics or Clone Wars or stuff like that. Like people have love for these characters that actually have way more hours of content than yeah. just the film characters. I think that's been an interesting continuation of that. Yeah, when you think, you know, all that stuff was happening, that explosion of new content, and especially after the first film, you know, that's all they had to go on, and it's crazy to think of that now. After, you know, I've come to writing Star Wars after there's been an entire expanded universe, which is, you know, <laughs> then being put into Legends, and now we've got a new universe, and but I've got, you know, all that to play with. These people were starting out from scratch, and all they had right. with that was a couple of hours of movie. And no real idea what was happening next. So, and then they would have seen the holiday special and gone, okay. Um, <laughs> I guess this is going. And hence, Jackson the Rabbit was born. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you, you do sit there and go, yeah, no, Jackson, but we'll allow, we'll allow yeah. Chewbacca's dad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, yeah, you, could, you can sort of see how they went from looking at um, Star Wars and going, right, well, obviously what we're going to have is a giant green bunny. You know, and a few yeah. years later, there was yeah. a giant squid man in charge of a spaceship so sure. it's not right. too far away you know and also but i think what they really instilled on me then was the fun fun element of star wars because oh, yeah. those marvel comics are all about fun you know yeah. they're about melodrama they're about action they're about fun they're about the character interactions yeah they might not be exactly what we now know for the characters but it's it's informed really what i want to do with star wars in a lot of my work um because it's that thing of remembering this is adventure especially for the kids' stuff. I mean, when you're doing adult stuff, you can be a little bit more, you know, you can take a step back. But when you're dealing with kids, you just want to keep them turning the pages and, and throwing more and more things at the heroes. You could say a lot of things about that Marvel run, but they definitely played up the adventure, left, right, and center. Oh, yeah. I mean, when people are saying, you know, Star Wars is, is, isn't, isn't that silly or anything, I'm like, well, when the little green Muppet was talking to the guy about how to do backflips and lift rocks, I didn't think that was super serious <laughs> no. um, when I was a kid. No. So here we are. And there's a quote from, from Doctor Who uh, that I always use for most of my life, which is, what's the point of growing up if you can't be childish every now and then? And I think that's something that we can all remember. It doesn't mean you can't be serious with Star Wars. Of course sure, you can be sure. serious with Star Wars. But at the same time, you've got to rem- you remember that what you are watching and what you are getting excited about is a bunch of people playing on screen. And I think sometimes you have to sort of play along. Yeah, well, Kevin, you're clearly incredibly creative. Um, just talking about some of your inspirations from when you were a kid, I see exactly why. But when we're talking about what you've done recently with Dooku Jedi Lost, how did the idea for that story first come about? I think we all read it and loved it, but realized it was a story that we had never necessarily known that we wanted. And now that we have it, we're really glad that we do. Yeah, to be honest, I... I wasn't even sure it was a story I wanted to tell or, you know, need, oh, wow. needed to tell. It was, um, it was, it, they came to me to, to ask if I would be interested because um, I have a history that when I said I've been writing Doctor Who, I started writing Doctor Who for audio drama because at one point that was all there really was. There was books and there was audio dramas. And that was my first sort of foray into writing um, fiction. So because I've got that history and we have a, a big tradition in the UK of audio drama, you know, we've still got a national radio station that publishes a play in the afternoon every day. We've got a soap wow. opera just on radio, um, which has been going for something like 60 years, you know. So um, and I, I remember listening to a load of sort of the old time radio from the States with things like The Shadow and Superman and, and, and Sherlock Holmes and loving that as well. So I talked to people at Delray about this. I talked to people at 
Lucasfilm about this. So when they were planning this sort of um, this rebirth of sort of Star Wars audio dramas, they they came to me because I'd had experience in it. They also knew that I loved Christopher Lee, not necessarily so much that I love Dooku, but I love you know Christopher Lee. So I've watched a lot. Sure, of Christopher yeah. So they came to, and I must admit, it was a case of I, I opened up the email, and this is going to sound incredibly. It's going to sound like a humble brag, and it's not supposed to be, but I was, <laughs> I was just leaving Skywalker Ranch after the first Project Luminous trip. And what was happening <laughs> was, it's not even a humble brag, is it? That's just a brag. Own it! Just, no, it's, it's amazing. Um, Own it, man. So, we love so it. So what happened was, we were all leaving after the first week we were there, and we had this big joke that I was going to be the last one to go because my plane was later to leave to the UK. <laughs> so, so you stay in this glorious sort of in the sort of um, uh, sort of um, guest house on, on the ranch and I was waving Charles and 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 um, Claudia and everyone off as if oh I'm gonna stay here you know it's a big sort of like, oh, come back now. <laughs> and I sat there and it, there's a little rocking chair and it was something like a little house in the prairie I sat on this rocking chair going I've got a good hour so I'm gonna read the book and I'll get and then I looked at my phone and it was a, um, an email that Mike Sublane at Lucasfilm had teased me that something I would probably get an email and I didn't even twig what it was going to be about. And they literally waited for the moment I was on my own there to come and say, do you want to do this Dooku thing? And I wow. sat there going, I've never thought about writing Dooku ever, because for me, he's just a character who's there in Star sure. Wars. You know, yeah, just, same, yeah. he turns up and then he goes again. And it, I, he goes in a way that is important. And he's obviously very important for the story, but I've never really thought about it that much. And they gave me a little list of, of, of things that here's some things you could do with it. Here's some things you might want to, an area you might want to take it in. And the more I read the brief, the more I was thinking, oh, actually, no, there is a story here I could tell. And I signed up for it. And even then, I still really wasn't sure who Dooku was in my story. And so it was, um, it was quite a quick quick process then to actually get to the point when we could write it and there was a lot of conversations and that's when it all started to um, crystallize so Duke went from a character that I you know appreciated because he was played by Christopher Lee to a character that I've appreciated a lot more because we've examined him a lot more now and hopefully a lot of other people feel that way after listening to it you know again people yeah. oh, people yeah. seem shocked by it. it was and it, it was that thing that we could announce something and then get it out within three weeks or four right. weeks or whenever was it was a surprise which is because just how audio drama works you don't have long lead times so you you announced it by the time it was announced it was being recorded i think so yeah people were shocked but then I, what i loved about it was the fact that most people then seemed to turn around and go okay then let's see what we've got and then as soon as we said we were using ventress as well that's when i think people became really excited as well because ventress as a character has been loved from clone wars and yeah, dark disciple absolutely. as well and of course from the comics which i remember ventress from reading the old um Dark Horse comics. So yeah, so it was it was a strange process of developing that story because as I said I didn't even know it was a story. I had spent, well, I hadn't spent much time thinking about it, but um, now I'm really glad that it was a story I got to tell. Sure. Was was it was it planned to be an audio drama from the start? Yes. Yeah, that was one of the reasons they asked me because I had that okay. history in audio drama. Yeah, yeah. We were saying it, it was fascinating with the audio drama format because uh, as we were all listening to it, we were we were chatting back and forth and. And the amount of care you were able to put into the character, like you're saying, someone that a lot of us didn't have a whole lot of familiarity with, and he served a purpose, but this medium allowed it to really be a character study, which was interesting, because I, I feel like we haven't seen that before a lot. We've seen plot-driven stories, we've seen character-driven stories, but really a study into someone's psyche over their life, it, it seems like, to those of us that aren't as familiar with audio dramas, as either you or people in the UK, it seems like, oh, this is the natural medium for that. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was really interesting to really try and get into someone's home. Again, one of the things they 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 didn't specifically ask for it, but they were like, you know, we want to cover his entire life from his childhood all the way through. And at first, I didn't think anything of that until I realised that he's in his sixties when he leaves the Jedi. Um, so that's a yeah. lot of life to cover, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, really is. <laughs> and and then we, when I said yes, I didn't really know at that point as well that there was another Padawan as well that we inserted we were inserted into the story so again there was another element of his life that we didn't know and i think that's what actually made it quite exciting because it was a bit of a blank canvas even in the old yeah. eu there wasn't a huge amount about him before there was yeah. quite a lot of him during um and his motivation during, but you never saw him as a jedi really and that was the interesting thing and i must admit when, I, when they first put it to me i said we're not talking about duke of the sith here we're talking about duke, duke of the jedi i was like oh really right. because obviously I want to write a Sith and I want to write him being now horrible. Yeah, right. But then actually you start thinking, well, Dooku, if he was a Jedi for that long, 
and they were they're properly shocked when he leaves yeah, <laughs> you know and they're, sure. they're really they still don't know why he's obviously a well-respected jedi he's obviously um a very successful jedi because you know um he's trained he's trained these these wonderful jedi he's he's had a history there you know he was yoda's padawan he's gonna be special um yeah. and then when you start thinking about it you're going yeah this this is an interesting man because yeah, right. he has to and also you can't just make him anakin 2.0 you know yeah, there exactly. has to be a, right. a different path for him to go there sure yeah we, we talked about that a great a great deal in our in our two-part series about about dooku jedi lost about like we didn't know that we needed a dooku book but we definitely did we we feel like we, we we've talked about that a great deal at Utini is that this, these two stories, both master and apprentice and Dooku Jedi loss is to us like the epitome of what the expanded universe should be. It should expand on stuff that we don't know we needed. And it was really beautiful to both get um, fantastic backstory on Qui-Gon with master and apprentice and then Dooku like right back to back. It was very beautiful. The way that they were linking those two stories felt like it was part of the same story. It was done really, really well. Excellent. Well, yeah, because the, the thing is, I was already working with Claudia on Project Luminous as well. So there was, you know, very good planning on, on Lucasfilm part that we could start, we, you know, we, we'd had that relationship starting with Luminous, so we could start throwing stuff back and forth. Um, and there was stuff that Claudia couldn't do in Master and Apprentice that she still wanted out there and the stuff I, I couldn't do in Dooku Loss. Object download also that, that I can get out, get in there, so we were able to swap, swap some things as well. So yeah, it was definitely um, we were writing at the same time, so it was definitely um, a period of, of swapping ideas and also just trying to get through some of the nitty gritty of like, well, when would this happen? When would that happen? You know, how would they react? And so yeah, that was it's, it's so nice to have someone else out there writing something that you're involved with. Because so yeah. you, you know, so usually you're on your own. And obviously, it's a collaborative process. You have your editors, you have story group, you have all that. But actually, a writer's perspective is different. And so, you know, there was a few knotty little problems that we could sort of ease out between us with lots of messages flying back and forth. You mentioned that that's not very common necessarily to have someone writing a story that you guys can bounce ideas off one another. But what about other authors who are in the Star Wars community? Do you feel like you can speak with them about something that you're writing at any given point, even if they're not writing something at the same time that has direct links to what you're working on? Yeah, we do. And we do, we do swap stories, but then quite often, even within the other writing communities, you don't necessarily know what people know about what's going on, you know? So you have to be a little bit careful because it's obviously, there is so much secrecy around every Star Wars project that you don't want to put anyone in an awkward position. But yeah, there are there are general you know things that we talk about um, and and you know theories that we come up with that you know then you can bounce in. But uh, this was this was slightly different, um, and again it was linked into the other stuff we're doing as well. So we could we could, we already had that conversation going, which was slightly different. But yeah, the community is brilliant at the minute with the writing community with Star Wars. I think a lot of it has come from the um, from a certain point of view book. Because sure, yeah. the experience, even though we all wrote those stories separately, and it's funny because a lot of people think that Claudia and I worked together on that as well because because of the force. That was nothing to do with us. Um, <laughs> and so, but what happened was the the launch of that book when we had that sort of like you know the media thing about Operation Blue Milk and all that, you know, that started to create a little buzz within within the, the group of writers as well. And then we did the launch at New York Comic Con where the, for the first time a lot of us were in the same room together signing books for hours. And so it really cemented the group of people who are writing canon books and comics at the minute. Because while we, a lot of us knew each other individually, we didn't really know each other as a whole. So I think that book has been very important about making the canon feel more co- cohesive because now we all know each other better. Right. And did you find that with this specific project, speaking of all that collaboration, there was something different in collaborating either with the, the actors that were doing it because it was more like a play coming together, I suppose. Or I, mean, I guess you with audio dramas have experience with that. Is it different with people that are slightly different artists than a group of people that are all writers? Well, you, you know that when you, because um, obviously the script still comes first with this. And so you know, you know there's going to be a extra interpretation, I think. So you quite often, you leave aspects of it, of it open to interpretation by the actors as well. So you can obviously suggest what you think how you think a line should be said or, or right. what the, the character's feeling at the point. But then you're not there when, you're, when it's been recorded and you're not the director and you're not the actor. And I've produced audio drama as well. So I, I've sat in that room and I've, you know, I've seen what it's like when a script comes in 
and the actors are sort of puzzling over a piece and, and between you in the room you have to say well what did the writer think what do we think and and you try and mesh that together and you get the final performance and so it is incredibly collaborative because of that and and i love that and i love the fact just like when i'm working with artists on comics you you send this thing off into the world and i always say with comics something neil gaiman said that i really believe that you, when you're writing a script for a comic you're not writing for the person who's going to go into a comic store and picking it up you're writing it for the artist who's going to be the one who interpret the work oh, so that people wow, can, yeah. can pick it up so that's true and that's totally changed when i read that from neil it's changed how i write scripts so i quite often talk to the artist in the script saying this is what i'm thinking but what do you think and, and dialogue starts um and and i think the best work in comics has that uh, that element to it and so it's a very similar medium for me both script writing and comic script writing because it's not just your story when you're writing prose that's pretty much your story and the editor and you know the people along the road but you're still it's quite a pure vision to you when you're writing anything that's collaborative you've got to be able to compromise you've got to be able to to bend a bit because then the best things happen because the someone else will bring something to it that you've never even thought of and that's why I love it. It's, it seems like we all have this, uh, this misconception in our heads of writers, you know, being alone in a dark room with a single lamp writing out a book. <laughs> um, and and, it, and it's really kind of, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's kind of cool to hear you talk about how collaborative it really is now. Um, I mean, especially with Star Wars, but with all of these ways that you can kind of make your, the world a little bigger for something that probably for most of its history has been incredibly solitary. Yeah, and, you know... The, social media and in all its forms has its own evils but it also has a lot yeah. of benefits and so writing you know I, I came I wasn't a full-time writer all my way through I, I've worked I've written all my career I was a magazine writer first and a magazine editor but you still went in and you had a team and you still worked with people and you still had the moment when you went up and got you know went to the water cooler and you had a chat and you know you had all those moments mm-hmm. writers can get that now through instant messaging and slack groups and all those kind of things and there's a network now and it's up to you how much you want to be involved and it can be incredibly like any work environment it could be re- incredibly distractive and sometimes you have to turn it off but there is that element uh, i think now within the writing community of a it is a proper community you know and, you, and people understand whereas before and there are certain elements of people who like the idea of a troubled writer sitting on their own you know sure you know, um, with a bottle of whiskey right beside them. Obviously, they have that. Um, <laughs> right. um, but, but yeah, the, if you want it, there is a chance to have, say, within Star Wars, we've definitely got that. Element. That's fantastic. So you, you talked a little bit about uh, you felt like it was sort of difficult to write Dooku from like a long gap in his in his, you know, his lifetime, basically yes. up to when we see him in the films. Is there a particular life point or age that you found particularly fun to write or was kind of your favorites uh i loved i loved writing young dooku because that was just again you don't get to see it was right it was fun watching writing kids for for a non-kids thing um you know so i spent so much time writing child characters but actually it was writing something that you know adults would be listening to and you have to approach children differently that way and you know, we haven't really seen since the days of, of the EU, you know, Jedi Academy and that kind of thing. Um, Jedi Academy, Jedi, um, uh, you know, the, the, the training, you know, training thing. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So it was good to go back, you know, and delve into that thing. And, and also we, we, see, we spend a lot of time with Padawans and we don't spend a lot of time with younglings and initiates. Right. So it was to go take that step one step by, and go, actually, imagine what that was like. And, you know, and people say, oh, there's a certain Harry Potter-esque vibe to a lot of the early stuff in Dooku Jedi last but that, that's because basically it's a boarding school you know right. I mean that's what yeah. absolutely yeah and it's a forced boarding school as well you yeah. got no choice <laughs> right. um so that was quite interesting and then the flip side of that was um as soon as he was getting you know nearer the Dooku that we know that was really interesting because again I didn't want him to be just a you know a mustache stroking um twirling villain you know he had to have a real reason to think that he was doing the right thing and to sort of dealing with someone that is quite remote and is quite is shut down in a lot of ways in his emotions, but obviously having these relationships with these with these equivalent to sons in his life who are now going off and you know and exploring um, and uh, their own existence in Ryle and and, and um, Qui Gon, that was a really interesting thing because for all the time when we talk about Jedi not having attachments, they've all got attachments. <laughs> it's and, uh, oh, yeah. all lies. Yeah, that's the biggest struggle 
in, sure. in for them. And I find it, I've got this fascination of people who, you know, who live a monastic life and say, you know, to serve people, we're going to shut, each other, shut ourselves off. It's just, right. it's crazy to me, but it's really interesting to explore. And so, yeah, I, I loved writing that sort of the last, or I think probably third, when, when Dooku was slowly drifting away and not really realizing he was. And I think a lot of it as well came with conversations, again, talking about the collaborative nature, talking with Elizabeth, the editor, a wonderful editor at Del Rey, who really helped me now with the fact that Dooku, all the way through his life, knows he's the best. And that informs just about everything he says um, and everything he yeah. believes. And it doesn't mean he's a bad person. He just knows that he's excelling um, and he could excel more. And that's why then I think the relationship between him and Cypher Dias became so interesting because you know you've got that person who will try and pop the balloon and sort of like remind him you know send to him again and as soon as that's gone as well that's another relationship that's gone as soon as dooku loses these either a friend or someone he's treating as a son or a student he starts to unravel and so yeah they they were really interesting times to play with yeah it's 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 fun i mean we, we talked about that exact period when we were listening because we realized we don't get those with those moments like with anakin like when he, no. we don't know who, what was his best friend's name, you know, yeah. none of that stuff. Yeah. So, so seeing Dooku and Saifa Diaz, especially, I know it was one of my favorite parts, um, seeing them kind of, um, again, to, to do the, the Harry Potter comparison, you said like the Harry Ron-ness of it. Yeah. Being like, you're exceptional, but okay, let's still just hang out. Let's still right. calm they're, down. And they're, com- they're competitive and they have, they have very un-Jedi-like tendencies. Like they, they yeah. get mad at each other and they do stuff that we would if we saw in films we would probably say wow that's not very jedi at all but they're kids so they get a kids, pass. Yeah. yeah exactly and, and you've you got to remember a jedi is an ideal um you know and and luke through most of his you know very odd jedi training you know i, I don't think he because you know he doesn't really get it until the end and so it's you know this is a, a if again if you come back to the idea that they're supposed to be warrior monks or they you know they they their entire life is sort of trying to get to enlightenment and it, it can't happen straight away because otherwise everyone would be able to do it. So, so yeah, it was, it, it was really important for me and it's been important with the kids stuff I've done with, with um, having families in it that um, when I was writing Adventures in Wild Space, I wanted the two children to feel like siblings who argued and didn't always get on, but would also be there for each other's back when they really needed to, because Hey, he's my brother. He's annoying, but he's my brother. And again, having that aspect in friendship, which is there in Star Wars, it's there all the way through. I mean, Luke and Han, I think, you know, have that. But we never really see that close thing of people who spend decades together. And dealing with them, once you get into that kind of time frame, you can deal with the fact that you have, you know, anxiety when the person leaves your life as well. Or you, or you move on from the, you know, leave someone behind. You know, one of the great fandoms in the world, the great series in the world I love is Star Trek. I never liked the fact that the Enterprise crew just largely just went through life together because that wouldn't happen. Their career, military career people, you know, they would move on and do other things. And then finally, when Sulu left, you go, yes, someone's got a shit. And... And the best bits for me, and it was growing up in the 80s, so the movies were incredibly important to me for Star Trek, is the fact that when you sort of see Star Trek 2, which we actually watched on our last um, trip to the, to the ranch together, because it's, it's got so many good relationships in oh, it. Wow. Uh, and so the scenes when you've got Bones going to see, you know, Kirk, who, who's feeling like he's old and that kind of thing. You know, again, there's a, old friends who don't spend a lot of time together anymore. And, and I love those kind of relationships because that's when you can get some really interesting characters. So. Well, I think that's what was really cool about um, like you and Claudia both using Rail as that kind yes. of uh, you know, binding force that, that we get to see him meet Qui-Gon and, and, and have that kind of relationship. And then when you're reading Master and Apprentice, you're realizing, oh, this is people that haven't seen each other in a while but had this unbreakable bond that yeah. if you weren't there, you, you can't quite get it. But they do. Yeah. And very importantly, we haven't seen his Padawanship. No, and that's a, very, that's a yes. very definite choice. <laughs> because, you know, we don't want to tell the entire story you know, all in one go. Um, exactly. Because also, you'd be sitting there listening to an audio drama for three years. But, you know, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, that again is, for me, is a fascinating story. What was, we saw him in the early days of the Qui Gon training. But what must have been like for Dooku to have to cope with this Avros guy? <laughs> you know, because right, they are so. Right. Um, and so that was a very de- that was a very definite decision um, that we wouldn't really focus on that yet. Right now, while we may not want a three-year continuous audio drama, um, I do. Uh, I mean, speak for yourself. 
Sure. Maybe, maybe uh, we'll get some breaks in between because uh, so there's been a super warm reception to Dooku uh, yes. throughout, um, which has been which has obviously been great. Uh, would you, based on that, want to continue this particular Dooku series in audio drama format? Is there another character you'd love to give this specific treatment to? Because now it feels like this community is finally understanding something that you've known for years that this works. Mm. Oh, there's so many. I mean, you can. Obviously, I'd like to see something like the X-Wings series, you know, but in audio form, you know, I'd, I'd yeah. like, I think with audio, you can get the entire thing of a, of a little mini series focusing on a group of people as well. And um, I'd love to, to work. I mean, this is, this is completely me just putting together a wish list, right. but you know, I'd love to do something like that. Obviously, yeah, you'd like to deal with some of the big characters there, and, it, and it does give you a chance to deal with, um, to deal with, with things. I mean, yeah, I'd love to do something like, um, and it's been done a bit in, in the books, but something like, you know, Tarkin's Rise to Power. Um, and, oh, yeah. and sort of like, you know, almost like a um, House of Cards, but for Tarkin, yeah. you know. Yeah, the villains and politics are always fun in Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And they, and they sort of work on audio, you know. That's the kind of thing that you can really get away with. Yeah. But, I mean, there are so many, yeah, there's so many stories that you could tell in this media, just as, you know. But I think with audio, you can get really close to the characters. You can really have quite intimate moments um, because you really believe, especially if you're listening on earphones, yeah, it's just you and them in the room. So, you know, how cool would it be to sort of have, you know, Leia and Han's, you know, a relationship following, you know, following um, Ben's birth and that kind of thing in audio form? Because you yeah. could really explore that familial relationship in audio. Yeah, there, there is an element of, of that kind of intimacy and privacy with audio drama. I, I noticed when I was listening to this as I was walking my dog, I would sometimes look around and realize that no one else around me knows what's going on in my ears but it's very intense (laughs) exactly and and no one really knows what you're doing when you're listening you know you can obviously you've got a book in front of your hand you're reading everyone gets Mm -hmm. that but yeah you can um yeah it's one of the reasons i love it and i think podcasts and everything have become so important to people because you have got that moment that you can just shut yourself off and Mm -hmm. totally lose yourself in the moment so yeah i think they're very important no doubt so I think with Project Luminous on the horizon, we would be remiss not to bring it up. And we are fully understanding of the fact that this is under wraps. Um, yes. Oh, speaking of wraps, uh, the Balm of Luminous wraps in <laughs> Lost were is interesting word choice. Yeah. But so with that coming out, is there anything that you want to talk about regarding Project Luminous? Or is there anything right now in Star Wars that you haven't been allowed to touch that you would love to sink your teeth into? Yeah, like comics um, novels aside, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously I'd lot. There's a lot I'd like to say about Project Luminous. Sure, sure. <laughs> I can't say anything about Project Luminous. Um, you know, <laughs> Fair enough. I, know, I realize how completely frustrating this be, must be that we are being the biggest teasers in the world and going. <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're pretty used to it at this point, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it is going to be worth it. Trust me. Awesome. It's, it's actually the nice thing about it is that at least we've got that sort of. That, those two words that we can use to describe what we're doing yeah <laughs> the worst thing has been not been able to talk about any of it and so mm-hmm. to actually even have a shorthand that we can say um you know i know you know charles does it on twitter and you know everyone oh we're, we're working on project luminous today we don't have to say anything else people just you know it, it, one of the most annoying things about being a writer working on a, pro- on a, a property like star wars is the fact that you obviously spend time talking on twitter and all these and you know you have newsletters and you have websites and you want to sort of be able to talk to the people who buy your stuff and read your stuff and listen to your stuff and that's amazing you want to give stuff back you can't actually say what you're doing at all so <laughs> i think sometimes when you're following writing the most, most most boring thing in the world was i was working on something today you're told oh tell people tell people what you're doing well i can't can i you know (laughs) i i wrote some things down yeah that's about it i typed on a keyboard um so (laughs) so yeah so at least you know the fact that we now you know between now and when things are announced and i can't even say when that is um you know more and more things will be trickling out and so Mm -hmm. and it it's very exciting for us, obviously, being in the in the circle the circle at the minute. But also that it it is going to be worth the wait. Um, but what I will say is again, again that thing you've got you've got five writers um, who are working very collaboratively together from different backgrounds and different experiences. So again, it's a there are things coming out of this that none of us would have done on our own um, or been able to think of. And so it's um, 
it's going to be great because you've got these five people working together. And yeah, I'm just very glad to be a part of it. Now, we, we have a, a question that we started asking some people we have on uh, that I, I want to I throw your way because you've been, you've been super open about your work and about your collaboration and it all sounds really incredible. And at the end of the day, everyone putting their mark on Star Wars is probably going to have a legacy of some kind as how their nice. work is remembered. If you got to choose, if you had your druthers, what would your legacy in Star Wars be if we say Kevin Scott did this? Well, that's a really tough one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we decided to, to lowball you the whole time and then spring on you. <laughs> oh, God, it's really interesting. Um, well, obviously, the, the, also, the, you have problems with people say, what is the part of Star Wars you really want to write? You don't want to say that because if you say it out loud, someone else might do it first. Yeah, um, exactly. That is quite, but I, I suppose my legacy would be that I would want to have brought a new, you know, a new generation into fandom, you know, and you know, help, help them in. I'm not... You know, I'm not arrogant enough to think that you know I would be doing that. Star Wars would be doing that, but I would like to be the person who would, perhaps you know, facilitated, you know, written written these stories that getting kids to read Star Wars and, and start on that journey that I started on in the late seventies. And so for me, when I go to things like San Diego Comic Con and New York Comic Con, which I will be again this year, one of the best times for me is the when I'm doing sign-ins on the IDW stand for um, Star Wars Adventures and Tales from Vader's Castle. And it's me and the other guys, it's Derek and Morissette, and we're all sitting there and we're chatting and you get kids coming up with comics. And for me, that is the best thing. And you've got kids who come out, you, you can talk to who's your favorite character, all that kind of stuff that fans talk about when you see someone who else is a fan. And just seeing the fact that these are kids who are starting, you know, starting to get into it and they're reading comics, which, you know, we need more kids reading comics, otherwise there won't be anyone reading comics in 20 years' time. Yep. And, you know, kids who are in that environment of all these different things that they can have a comic in their hand. So, yeah, if I could be the one who, through my books, audios, um, comics and I don't just necessarily just always want to write kids stuff but stuff that you know that will get them excited and get them to, and to stay as well you know one thing I would love to do and I'm sort of trying to do it with some of the stuff I'm doing is to create characters that we can see as young people who we can then see grow I suppose yeah. in a very similar way to actually we're seeing our heroes in things like Star Wars and Star Trek now growing older which you didn't used to get in a lot of your media we now have that period when we have these franchises that have been going 20 years so you can have Patrick Stewart returning as Picard you know as yeah. an old man you can have, you can have old man Luke you can you know you can have yeah. Kurt really starting to worry about growing old you can have Han instigate, Solo instigate the cheers in the theater yeah yeah yes. you know and you can have you can have Han you know someone I grew up loving you know who is now a dad and and copes with the problems that I am you know I cope with being a dad and the worries I have I'd love you know to have the, the kids the characters the kids read when they're a kid and then they grow with them. So they start seeing them, you know, start off as a, a Padawan and becoming a Jedi and end up being, well, they'll be dead. But that's not the point. You know, <laughs> the, the characters that can grow with them and get them excited. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're definitely, you're definitely doing that now. I mean, I, I, would, I would guarantee that there's a kid that picked up your book and discovered who Jackson was just like you did when you were a kid because of you. Like that is without well, a doubt is happening. So what I want is 30 years time when there's another, you know, when, whenever, whenever Star Wars has become in 30 years time, that there'll be a writer sitting there going and they say, do you want to write the first Jackson story in new, new, new canon? And they'll say, <laughs> yes. Yes. Finally. It's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shall make him back and I shall make him just as annoying as he ever was. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, as we're wrapping up here, uh, Kevin, I want to kind of give you the floor if there's anything else you want to um, either tell people where to find you, anything else you're excited about uh, coming up. The, the floor is yours without us hampering you with questions. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, well, you can find me at my website, which is kevinscott.com or on Twitter. I'm f on Twitter far too much. At Kevin Scott. What am I excited about? Well, I say I'm at Project Luminous. I'm incredibly excited about, but can't tell you anything about it. Um, Return to Vader's Castle, which comes out in October. I'm working on it at the minute as well, which is the sequel to last year's Vader's Castle miniseries we did over at Halloween. We're, we're working on that in the minute, and there's some very exciting stuff happening with that. But obviously, I can't tell you anything about it. Um, right. so, <laughs> but those are the, you know, at the minute that that's sort of taking up my time at the minute. Um, and 
all I would say for, yeah, I realize how annoying it must be with us teasing Luminous, but um, stick with us and keep listening because more news is coming soon. Oh yeah, and never stop teasing us about Luminous. Anytime that those two words, I mean, you're right, the two words, they pop up and the ears just prick up, the spying gets a little tingly because we know something's coming. So we love it. I mean, I like it. They do it with the films all the time. It's nice to get it with with the Expanded Universe stuff, personally. And also... I would say go back and, and read Master and an Apprentice every line and try and work out things. And listen Because <laughs> there are things in there. Well, you don't have to twist my arm to reread a Claudia Gray novel, I'll tell you that. So <laughs> I think it's something I could do. No, there are worse things. Like, go and read a good novel by someone who's brilliant. No. Oh, gosh, if I had to, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, I think after all that, that'll do it for this week's episode of Living Forest. Kevin... Thank you so much for this conversation, for coming on, for all the work that you've put in and will still be putting in that you can't talk about at all. We're all very excited. Brilliant. Yes. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been amazing. Fantastic. So uh, to our audience, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every week to hear mostly me, Corey, and Charles, but sometimes people like Mr. Kevin Scott talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Please go ahead, leave us a review to help people find us and head over to utini.com where we have reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles all about um, Kevin's work as well, uh, but also all the other stories in the Star Wars galaxy. Now, obviously, we ran out of time today, but if you want your thoughts on the show, go ahead, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com, tweet at us at livingforcepod, or join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. You can find us individually on Twitter at Eric Eilerson, Corey is at DocStarWarsMD, Charles is at C. Hankel, and Kevin again is at Kevin Scott. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, who's our tech guy, and Wes, our community manager. Corey, Charles, and Kevin, thanks guys for being here. Thanks to you all for listening, and of course, may the force be with you. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time. May the Force be with you.